boys, howdy. You're listening to the JRB Nerdcast on the JRB Studios Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by The Rogue's Den. The Rogue's Den, games for all gamers. Check them out at 2122 Highway 7 North in Harrison, Arkansas, or on Facebook at The Rogue's Den. Now, without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Nerdcast. guys it's josh back with another episode here and uh today's a very special episode it's our first ever patreon uh patron episode and i have with me today uh miss taylor is it roland or roland 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 okay i went to school with a girl whose last name was roland but it didn't have the w and so when i saw yours i was like i was thrown off a little bit uh (laughs) But I'm here with Taylor Rowland, and uh, she is she was our first patron actually, so she is our longest what, what? patron <laughs> up to this point. Uh, so today, what we're doing for the month of November, all of our patrons get their own episode, uh, and so today is Taylor's episode. So basically, I'm just here to introduce the episode and then let Taylor talk about whatever she wants to talk about. Uh, I know she does a little bit of D and D painting, she does some commission work and stuff like that. So uh, I'm just gonna turn it over to you and let you kind of talk about whatever you want to talk about all right cool um hi i'm taylor everybody so this is fun all right uh i've been playing D consistently for like uh three years four years maybe now and uh that's how it got me into D painting that's how i got uh into painting D miniatures so um that's why how i ended up doing a little bit of commission work here and there but uh yeah so uh it's really cool i, don't, I know you guys play D all the time um yep so uh but then i so yeah so i started doing that um it was really interesting because D got me into back into doing stuff i hadn't done before uh well i hadn't either done before or i haven't done in ages uh so, like, whenever I was in high school, I did theater and, um, like, a bunch of creative writing, and I, and I painted. I was an art major in, in college for a long time, and then um, I got married and everything, and so, with six months into our marriage, uh, my husband was diagnosed with schizophrenia, and um, we just went, like, life went crazy after that, you know, he was breadwinner. And I was just kind of staying at home doing school where we kind of flip-flop roles. And I kind of dropped everything that I really liked doing, like theater and creative writing and drawing and painting. And then about um, four years ago, uh, not even four years ago, maybe like three and a half years ago, we had a friend in my Sunday school group. He is a giant nerd like me and my husband. And so he invited us to D&D. <laughs> He's like, hey, you know, you guys are really nerdy like us. So why don't you, you know, I do in this Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Let's, uh, let's go, uh, why don't you, why don't you come, come play with us one day? We're going to do a one shot, you know, you see if you guys like it. And I was like, mm, I don't know, <laughs> but okay. And my husband's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. You're going to, we're really going to like this. I played Pathfinder once. You're going to love d d It's like, okay, cool. And we showed up and... <laughs> They created a monster. <laughs> <laughs> really, they really created a monster. Uh, 
I showed up and I loved it. I was instantly like, okay, this is really cool. I haven't done improv like this before in a long time. You know, let's keep going. And then um, that time we didn't play with miniatures. We just played on like roll 20. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up um, uh, starting in a campaign. And we went whenever we he introduced miniatures and we just started playing on, on table maps and everything. And um, so all of my friends didn't have any painted miniatures and it was really irritating to me because if any if anybody's never seen an unpainted D D miniature before it's generally like this plain white plastic um that doesn't have any color on it and outside of the shape if you're just quickly glancing across the table you can't differentiate between people or monsters sometimes if you're just quickly differentiating and so um it really bugged me so i was like okay i'm you know i used to paint I'll, I'll just like quickly throw some base layers on different colors so it'd be easier to find us. And then it went to, I did me and my husband's first. And I went, well, it just looks weird just being black or gray or whatever. So I was like, okay, I'll go ahead and try to see if I can't make them look good. And I bring them up and everybody at my table goes, there were seven people. We had seven people. This is a very large D&D group. I mean, most D&D groups are only four or five people at max. Um, we have seven people, not including my dungeon master. <laughs> so I do me and my husband's and we show up and um, everybody's like, oh man, that looks really great. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, nah, it looks like trash, but okay. And they're like, hey, will you paint mine? And I was like, okay. So I just started painting one person's. And by the end of like a two month period, I had painted everybody's D&D miniature. And um, they're all sitting there going, man, you paint really great and everything. And I was like, nah, you know, it's fine. I'm starting to enjoy painting again and whatnot. It's like my little project on the weekend. And uh, then my dungeon master realizes, oh, yeah, I paint. <laughs> so now I get a call every now and again whenever he wants to, like, do a big, giant boss monster. And he really wants to do something. So I get called. And, um I happen to know what the monster is, the big bad monster that we're going to fighting the session before, because I spend like two weeks painting it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's pretty similar to uh, my wife. Uh, my wife is a killer artist and she does all of our minis. Uh, well, actually my brother plays like star Wars Legion. And so he got into painting minis and stuff like that. Uh, but him and Sean and me and my wife, one day that it snowed just showed up at my house and painted just a ton of minis and so it's kind of the same thing where it's like my wife proved to me that she could paint minis and so now i'm like okay i'm gonna go on hero forge and design a bunch of minis and you're <laughs> gonna paint them for me <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's, it's it's like that but it's been really fun because it's gotten me doing things i loved that i haven't done in forever which has really been really nice so yeah, it took them awesome. forever <laughs> So you told us a little bit about how you got into D&D, &D, um, and if anyone has listened to this show, and if you haven't listened to the first episodes of like when it was originally Nerdcast way back when, um, go check them out and listen to the episodes about like character development and stuff like that. But Taylor, tell us a little bit about your character, and then tell us a little bit about like how you came to designing that character and like what what the process was for you building that character. Well, I'll start with my newest character because I just finished, we just finished a two-year campaign. Wow. Um, yeah, so that one was two years. Um, we just finished that one. So we just started a new one. And during the two-year campaign that um, 
that one was run by book. But during those two years, my dungeon master created, he spent those two years building a sandbox world from the ground up. <laughs> so um, this campaign, it's a seafaring campaign in an island chain um, archipelago. So um, the biggest island is, you know, this, where the capital is and whatnot. And then there's various different peoples where minotaurs and everything live on certain islands and whatnot. Um my character for this one, this was really interesting because, you know, he told us about at a year mark, whenever he really had the groundwork done, he's like, hey, for our next campaign, it's going to be a seafarer campaign, so kind of keep an eye out. So whenever he first told me that, I knew immediately I wanted to be a bard. Because up until this point, point, I had played nothing but rogues. Because I, I just love that character model. But I was like, no, I want to do something different. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be a bard. Because at that point, I didn't. I played a rogue that had no magic at all. So I was like, I want to do some magic. I want to be a little bit more helpful than what my rogue's been beforehand. And a little bit far more charismatic. That's the primary. If nobody's ever played D&D before, the bard is... They're the storyteller. They generally know a lot about things. And uh, they're very, very, very charismatic. Because they're generally entertainers of some kind. Um, so... I decided, oh yeah, I'm going to be a rogue. And then the problem... And, and not a rogue... Uh, can you tell? There's the Freudian slip <laughs> of how much I love rogues. Um, no, I'm going to be bard. I'm going to be bard. So, uh, and then I had all this time to think about it. And I, was, I had such a long time to think about it that it was kind of like, I went back and forth on what kind, different character races and different types of bards. Uh, and then I ended up going to be, I decided, since we're going to be island hopping, I wanted my bard to go ahead and already been kind of this vagabondy character and she was going to be really flashy and flamboyant and in our world um tieflings are extremely extremely rare um in most D worlds tieflings are rare but they're and some they're a little bit more common play a little bit more common than in our world it's most people will go their entire lives without ever having seen a tiefling or an asimar um and uh, so I decided, my get as flamboyant as possible. I'm going to be a tiefling, uh, this bright blue tiefling. She's been a vagabond, so she's kind of done, been everywhere. She's kind of been island hopping her whole life. Nobody, nowhere's really home. Um, so, and she has, uh, she's a college of lore bard, which means she knows she spent a lot of time. Catching stories and myths and everything, um, not really focusing on the musical portion of it. She does sing epic tales and stuff, but she knows a lot about stories. She's a really great storyteller. So, um, yeah, and I just kind of built it from there. Uh, I found out that my DM's favorite, um, uh, he's, he's a cat person, and I found out that his favorite breed of cat is a Maine Coon cat. So, and at the beginning of each campaign, as a homebrew rule, we get one feat at first level. Um, so I took Mage Initiate, <laughs> and I took Fine Familiar. <laughs> so my character has a giant, fluffy, Maine Coon cat. If you haven't seen these cats, these things are like the size of dogs. Yeah, they're big. <laughs> they're they're big. massive. So uh, I have a Maine Coon cat. And uh, for my character, he's like, you you did that because you knew. I was like, yes, I did that because I knew that was your favorite breed of cat. So, and I really want to see how you're going to handle that one. 
So <laughs> um, that's really kind of how I did. And so we're still kind of working on her backstory because she's so she's been everywhere. And there's a lot of places we did. We He really built the world from the ground up. So there's a lot of things to do and a lot of history and everything that we're still kind of learning. So that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, our D&D campaign that was originally on Dice Time, uh, the Athendale campaign, that was the one that I ran that. I it was kind of the same thing. I built the world from the ground up and it was like every session we were discovering things that even I didn't know about the world that I was like having to make up on the fly that it was like, Oh, you opened this and it has this symbol and it means this. And I'm like, this wasn't in like, this wasn't in the background that I drew up, you know, six weeks ago when I was working on this. <laughs> so world building is a, uh, it's a lot of fun and it's not something that just the DM gets to do either. So it's pretty cool to hear, uh, stories of other people building their own worlds outside of like critical role. Cause obviously yeah. critical role is like, yeah, you can't top it. Right. But yeah. um, that was my inspiration for doing it was Matt Mercer and the world that he built, but it's nice to hear other people doing it too. So um, let's see, you've played rogues and now you're playing a bard. So I mm-hmm. take it that your favorite class is rogue. Is that right? That's a, big understatement that that's my favorite (laughs) class (laughs) my friends joke all the time that i'm a real life rogue (laughs) um just because how i am generally as a person (laughs) but uh yeah no rogues are my favorite um i am in uh so i have the one i was telling the campaign i was telling you about but i also have a campaign that we do online it's text-based via discord because my friend is in the military. That my dungeon dungeon master is in the military, so he's in Japan currently. Oh, so wow. every Saturday night, I stay up until like two a.m., two to three a.m., where <laughs> it's morning time for him, <laughs> so we can all play Dungeons and Dragons. And I have a rogue uh, that was uh, through that campaign as well, and in previous to, in my previous campaign that I do locally here with my dungeon master from my Sunday school group, but. Uh, yeah, that rogue is a swashbuckler rogue. She's basically Robin Hood, so nice. is the whenever I built her. So, um, but she's kind of as because these campaigns have been so long, and both and both the ones that I've run a rogue through, she kind of turned out to be a little bit differently than my original plan. Just kind of through her backstory and stuff. Um, the one from the two year long campaign because she was around the longest. Um, her she. Grew up in Barovia. And if nobody's ever played the Crush of Strahd campaign, that was my very first time playing Dungeons and Dragons as we did in one shot in uh, Crush of Strahd. Um, to, basically, where we had one night to kill Strahd. <laughs> but that's intense. <laughs> so we made, yeah, that was really intense. So we, I made that, that rogue for for that campaign and then uh for the one shot and then i just really liked her so i went ahead and moved her to the two-year campaign it just ended up working out that way and uh she just wanted to be robin hood and there and try to get away move past all the horrors of her growing up in barovia and uh through a series of interesting events she she's still kind of robin hoodie until right in the middle of the two-year campaign um my dungeon master introduced the deck of many things. <laughs> oh, deck of many things is a campaign killer. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, that has, that has been known in campaigns. So, um, 
it turned out, you know, nothing truly, really bad happened, which I was really surprised at. Um, one character got a curse that was negative two to all of his saving throws, but all of his stats were really great because of just the way we rolled. We didn't do the point by system. We just straight up rolled dice for it. Um, so all of his stats turned up just randomly. They were all really great. So a negative two to all saving throws really wasn't that bad. I think his lowest saving throw was like a plus one after the negative two curse. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so his, pretty stats, good. <laughs> his stats were ridiculous. So we really weren't worried about that. Um, but he ended up getting like a level, a bunch of golds, uh, a knight servant, knight follower. Um, that was really great. But uh, and I had another friend who drew from the deck, and he he also gained um, a life. And then my character drew from the deck. And the way that the deck of many things works is whenever you draw, you have to declare how many cards you're going to draw, and then you have to draw that many. But there are some cards in the deck that tell you to draw additional cards. So I said I was going to draw two cards, but I ended up drawing like four cards. <laughs> and so whenever you draw a card, it just kind of disappears out of the deck. Thing. So that means if all of the bad stuff, you have more of a chance you're going to draw the bad stuff. So I drew really well. I gained the wish spell, three uses of the wish spell. I gained wow. levels, um, which put me at the highest level character in the campaign. Um and I got a random magic to my magic item. The one thing that happened, though, the bad thing that happened to my character was um, I drew the balance card. So, and the balance card, the way it works is that uh, whatever your character alignment is becomes the immediate inverse. So, oh. it's on neutral characters. Um, so, if your character's true neutral, just nothing happens. But, um, because my rogue is chaotic good, chaotic good, she immediately became lawful evil. <clears throat> oh, that's hard to play. <laughs> that's really hard to play, going from that switch. And so, and then we had another friend who drew, and he, he drew the void card. So his character's soul was sucked out of his body, and he just kind of falls unconscious, and we don't know where he is. So um, we kind of panicked. That's how why you don't use the deck of many things. <laughs> Like many things, because in order to get a soul back, you have to do this epic quest, which is why Vox Machina did a one shot years later, you know, a year or so after the the main quest, because Grog did that, and it's mm -hmm. going to be this because all the monsters are really strong. So um, that's how we ended the session that that time. And then I, me and my DM spent a whole ton of time messaging back and forth about that, um, trying to figure out what we're going to do because. My friend had just made that character <laughs> that kind of is because he retired his previous character, which was uh, my character's best friend. Um, he ended up, we retired him. He didn't die. He went off and had lived happily ever after uh, in a different dimension. But it really tore my character up prior to that big fight where we got the deck of many things. So we spent a lot of time messaging back and forth. And um, we ended up... Uh, Deciding that because his new character was also lawful evil. We were in the Underdark in this campaign. And um, it was kind of like Drow Civil War apocalypse ending. The big bad of the campaign was an Aboleth named the Blood Queen. So basically she just wanted to destroy everything. So somehow we convinced the Drow that um, this will be very bad for you. So you guys need to come help stop it. And so his new character was a paladin. A male drow pal paladin of Loth that 
you know, with a lawful evil character, as long as your views are in alignment, like you have the same goal, it's okay for them to be with a good, a good aligned party, for the most part, um, with only a couple hitches. So uh, I didn't want to have to have him make another character. <laughs> <laughs> And I was trying to figure out how to handle all of a sudden my character going from chaotic good to lawful evil. So what we ended up doing is, because I got three levels, I ended up taking um, three levels in cleric and um, becoming a cleric of Loth. Trickily cleric of Loth. (laughs) Interesting. And I used the wish spell to get around the fact, because you can't use a wish spell to get his soul back from the void card. But I used a wish spell to wish myself an audience with Loth. And somehow I convinced her to go retrieve his soul for us and bring it back. In return, I pledged my services to her. That's how I became a cleric of Loth. Somehow in that entire entire thing, I managed to persuade her of this and I didn't get smited. But nobody else at the table knows at this point that they just knew I drew the balance card. He didn't tell us what he would just text us what what these cards did. So the entire campaign, nobody knows that my character alignment has switched, except for my husband because you know I we'd work on our character sheets together. But he's really good at keeping his mouth quiet. Um, and and now the 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 cleric of the paladin, the drow paladin of Loth, whose life I saved, um, all of a sudden gets told, hey. Uh, yeah, she's now awful evil, and she's now your partner in crime. (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh, funny. And so through that whole entire campaign, nobody else questioned why all of a sudden I had cleric powers. (laughs) 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 Uh, And at the end of the campaign, it was really great. We, um, we, uh, defeat the big bad evil, right? And, um, we have to close the portal that the big bad evil came through, which is at the bottom of the ocean. And at the very end of the campaign, I get orders from Loth. Me and the being the paladin get orders from Loth saying we have to betray the party. <laughs> oh wow! So we um, at the very end of the campaign, we do all these tests to see if we can close this portal without us getting sucked in and into the water elemental plane and stuff. Uh, when we have potions of water breathing, um. Well, I have potion of water breathing, so does the the paladin, and everybody else has caps of water breathing. Um, and right at the end, we purposely fail to to save, so we get sucked further into the little rift. And then, right as they close the rift, and it's about to start closing, and they're not think they're not going to make it out. I had one use of the wish spell left because I burned a couple of them previous in the campaign. I wish to use teleport, and I teleport just me and the paladin at the end. Back to safety, leaving everybody else stuck in the water elemental plane. And that's how we ended the campaign. Now, I'm the party's painter. I know, because I'm working on stuff already, because I'm painting a leviathan for him, that we are going to have a one-shot to resolve what happened to everybody else in the water elemental plane. So I'm painting a leviathan that they're going to have to fight at some point. (laughs) That's really awesome. They're just like, what? That's how you ended it? It's like that's how we met. Time to move on to the next campaign. <laughs> that's crazy, man. I love hearing stories like that because, like, as a DM, that gives me ideas to like torture my players, you know. And so, so like in future episodes of Dice Time, don't be surprised if you uh, hear me using some of these ideas and like 
like totally ruining the campaign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, that's a lot of that. That that's fun. It makes me want to play D and D again because we haven't played uh, in a couple of weeks. Actually, it's probably been close to a month. We haven't had the opportunity to play because we're all adults and we just don't have time to get together yeah. and play. But uh, we're gonna try to get together this weekend, so maybe we can record something this weekend and and get some more dice time stuff. So, um, all right. Well, you got anything? Any other crazy stories you want to tell us? Uh, not really. That's about it. I can think of. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this was, uh, this was fun. It, this was the first time I ever met, uh, Taylor. And so, um, I definitely enjoyed this conversation and I hope that we can do more stuff together in the future. Uh, and maybe cause Sean is kind of like the common link between us. Cause you kind of know yeah. Sean a little bit. Uh, yeah. and so maybe next time we can get Sean on as well and, and hang out with Sean and Taylor for a little bit. So, um, all right, guys, that was our first patron episode. And so special thanks to Taylor Roland. I know how to say her name now, Taylor <laughs> Roland. Uh, so, uh, you want to plug your like Instagram and have people go because she, she posts pictures of the stuff she paints on her Instagram and it's really good, but I can't remember <laughs> your handle. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of a long handle, but it's Stormy's rogue miniatures, uh, on, on Instagram. So. There you go. I will. Uh, I'll link it in the description. I'll go look it up before I type up the description, uh, and I'll link it. So, Taylor, thank you so much for the support that you've given us, and thank you for taking the time to sit down and uh, and talk some D and D with me because uh, it's a lot <laughs> of fun. So maybe we can do it again sometime. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you.